This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today I sat down and talked to Mark Corpy. Mark co-owns with a gentleman, George, a fishing lodge up in Alaska, the Besheriff Lodge on the Igigik River. Uh, so sounds like some awesome prime, prime salmon fishing. Uh, so I got to ask how he got into that, what that was like, uh, what it's like to own that and get to hear what the experience of going fish that river sounds like a, again, a pretty premium fishing destination, really a, a bucket list type trip. Um, so it's fun to hear about just that whole experience, what that's been like, what it's like to have him, his family take over the operation and, and really just enjoy that. Uh, so I really enjoy this one. I hope you guys do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Mark, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. We were just talking before we got on, you said you most of your call or school wasn't spent in Chassel. You yeah. graduated from Tennessee. Uh, and then you did some work out on in New Hampshire. Was that yeah. right? Yep. Okay. What I'm curious about, and we'll get into is eventually you bought and own and operate a fishing lodge up in, how do you pronounce it? Igigik. Igigik, Igigik Alaska. Alaska. Okay. Yep. Which is on the peninsula. Yeah. It's on the peninsula and it's uh, just below the Besheriff Lake, okay. which is the second largest lake in Alaska. Okay. And when I say peninsula, I'm even second guessing myself. That's the Kenai Peninsula. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, not too far from Kodiak or Kodiak's a couple hours yep. east of there, I think. Is yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. About 50, 60 miles fly, okay. flying. Sure. Right. Okay. Um, and then, so I want to get into that, but first I want to get into, you spent some time out West and that was an inspired mainly because your wife has spent time out there or did you also yeah, have a drive she was, to? Yeah. She was from out there. So I met her in Florida kind of followed her out there one summer and got into construction owned a framing crew out there and so we were there for six years okay yeah. uh this podcast started from my passion for mule deer hunting and yeah. and out west and i love it out there and every family vacation that i can get on we go out west and do loops out there whatever we can do yeah um so I'm curious for you, did that happen to you as well? Did you fall in love with it out there or was it really more just moving out there for family? No, I fell in love with it. It's, it's pretty country out there. There is a lot of, a lot of hunting, elk hunting, deer hunting, duck hunting, you know, fishing, fishing's good. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, I know the wildlife is nice there. Okay. Uh, had you been out there at all? I mean, no, could, no, never before that. Before moving out there, you had never no. gone out any type of hunting, fishing, no. or even trips or loops no. through any of those areas. Nope. Okay. Huh. And so you have gotten into some of that Western hunting yeah. yep. side of things. Yeah. Mainly in Oregon there, and we don't need to do um, too many both specifics. Oregon but. and Washington. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mainly elk. Yeah. yeah. On the coastline there, or do you go out um, into both? The, both. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Because the little bit of exposure I have to that. And again, we can stray away from this if it gets too specific, but that coastline hunting is just thick, thick country, right? Yeah. yeah tough, yeah. tough hunting. You've got to try to find where they've logged a few years before and you 
you know, hit the reprod area so you can see a little better. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, so getting up to Alaska, you own this fishing lodge. Did you go fishing there first or how did that, um, actually that moose happen? Okay. one year I did, I did commercial fish like three years before that, like eight, nine years ago. Okay. All my wife's family did it. Okay. So I went up one, winter, you know, in summer just to try it for two, three weeks and see what it's all about. And then about three years after that, I went and did a moose hunt okay. up there. And the, uh, guide that I was moose hunting with was a buddy of mine for 30 years. I've known him and he worked at this fishing lodge I bought as a lead guide and mechanic and everything for the guy for 10 years. He just kept telling me, Hey Mark, you got to come up, you got to come up fishing. So finally, after the year after I moose hunt, I figured, well, I'm going to take some of my daughters up there. And so I paid as a client and took three of my daughters up there to go fishing. And it was awesome. I mean, the fish never caught fish like that. Yeah. Close out in Isle Royal, you know, I fished out there with Paul Hedla and, and I mean, sometimes you drop your line and you'll fish after fish you'll bring in, but, um, bank fishing and, you know, for, for salmon is unbelievable. Right. Right. So that first year you went up there with your daughters, what was that like? Yeah. You said it was, it was unbelievable, but yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. There was just, I mean, you'd go out in the morning, you know, fish and, and it's like your first five casts, you'd have five fish, you know, and it's, you know, slow down here and there and then pick up again. And, but every day you had, your limit is five and you'd have no problem catching your five um, you know, easy. You'd, you'd then always catch and release after that. And it's coho. We're mainly fishing the uh, silver run. So it's primarily the month of August. Okay. Yep. I gotcha. Um, but the landscape, what does that look like? I was just looking before you came on at some Google images, stuff yeah. like that, but what is the landscape? It's, it's the setting? all, What's it's all tundra, okay. rough, rough tundra. You know, I mean, it's hard to hike through. It's like walking on a mattress, you know? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's all tundra, not really any trees. The rivers, it's all clear water. It comes right out of Sheriff Lake. So it's like a gravel, gravel river and it's 450 yards wide at our lodge. So it's a big, wide, slow moving river. Okay. Yeah. How big is that Sheriff Lake? It's I was just like 60 miles across. It's, okay. It's the uh, second biggest lake in Alaska. So it's huh. real, real deep. Um, but from the Sheriff Lake to Bristol Bay, the Igigik River runs 30 miles from the lake to the bay and there's only 18 feet of elevation so okay. it's a real slow moving you know shallow can be shallow right big rocks in it yeah okay and some mountains off in the distance oh yeah right? yeah you can see a lot of mountains off in the distance yep okay yep uh so you've got a tundra setting with a somewhat wider slower moving river that hits uh the Basharoff lake heads out into bristol bay then? yeah okay. yeah it's coming from the lake going to the bay i gotcha okay yeah. huh just trying to get a feel for what the setting was like and yeah. did that so you the the fishing was awesome that first time was that your first time ever going to alaska the well the commercial fishing yeah i did the, the commercial then the moose and then this okay i gotcha so, yeah um yeah. i'm just curious for you and your daughters what was the the, the fishing obviously a huge component but like the mystique of alaska and yeah, the, the landscape yeah. and all that was that all had to have been part of it yeah yeah the, the whole thing was kind of um you know it's kind of something you'd read about you know and it's remote it's flying only so you fly in with a either a float plane or they got planes that have these big fat tires there's one sand dune we can land on upriver but um yeah just the whole mystique and my girls loved it you know i mean there's no cell phones or or any of that you know and i mean we do got cell phones that we, we use and people can call home and say hey we made it because you need a booster and special phone but um but yeah there's no internet and you just unplug and fish and 
awesome. We got an awesome chef. The food's awesome. Um, we get supply all the gear. You bring waiters and rain gear. Right. And, um, yeah, everybody leaves with close to 50 pounds of vacuum pack frozen fillets. Yeah. So unreal. So to, to this day though, no service other than with a satellite phone or something like that. Yeah. We got, we got a, a booster for a cell phone. So Bristol Bay cellular, we put a, one of those SIM cards in our phone and you got to stand in a certain spot, but you can call out of that. Um, saddle satellite phone would work too, but sure. Okay. Um, Otherwise, and still no road access, right? You to yeah. this day, you're still flying. Yeah, in you there, flying yeah. only. Even Igigik, which is 25 miles downriver, 28 miles downriver, is um, flying only. Yeah, which is common for a lot of these small towns in Alaska, right? But I'm just yeah. trying to put context in it for myself because I've never never been up there and never yeah. experienced it. Is anywhere on that Kenai Peninsula can you access by road, or is it all flying? Um, there's got. I'm not sure. There's got to be some areas you can drive into, but maybe more at the base of it yeah. or something like that. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um that whole part of it for me is what's intriguing like the disconnecting the turning your phone off yeah out there you're just experiencing it yeah well the fishing all the whole thing but that part of it is unreal just because you don't ever get that anymore right even up here in the q and i used to be that you could go to these certain places and not get service and now you're pretty much always going to get service right right right. yeah um are, are you an exception? You must not be an exception in Alaska to have limited service. Hey, there must be a ton sure, of huge country. Yeah, there, there is. And and they could get, the previous lodge owner did have a big satellite dish. He was able to get um, internet. They sell it in blocks and it gets used up quick. You got a lot of clients there and, yeah. you know, they want to send pictures home or whatever. So you're buying minutes steady. You can't just like pay a thousand dollars a month and have unlimited or anything like that. So, right. Um, and then he did have a big satellite dish where he had TV, but we've asked the clients and none of them want it. So yeah. in the last two years we've ran it, we haven't bothered hooking any of it up. And yeah, um, I was going to say, cause that's gotta be part of what your clients are looking for, right? I yeah. Mean, that's, that's, they, that's what they want. They're there for five days to fish and visit. And that's what they said that you get a lot more visiting with other people. They didn't know or, you know, whatever, by not having the TV going or. Right. Right. Oh, it's just a modern problem. Everywhere you go, every every place you look, you know, everyone's just looking at their phones. Right. 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 Do you yeah. think about that a lot when you're at your place or anything like that? Is you that a conversation kinda, you have? Yeah, is, yeah, not much. No, I just, I mean, I don't think of, hey, I'm missing my phone. Or right. the girls don't never say anything because they come up and help guide now. So we're there six weeks and, yeah. you know, they just, it's fun. Right. Or even more so think about like how sweet it is that we're not on our phones. Like look at these oh, five yeah. strangers here chatting that if we were in any normal setting, they, they wouldn't even have, be having a conversation. Right. No, yeah. no, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, so you went with your daughters that first time. What was the progression for you to eventually own that place? Well, the following year, the guy that owned it had approached the buddy of mine, George, that I know um, about buying it. Okay. And um, he, the previous owner really liked my girls, and we had a fun time up there. So he's like, why didn't you ask Mark to buy it with you? And so George did. He approached me, and I asked the girls. I said, girls, if you want to do it, I'm busy building houses. I don't have the time, but if you want to do it, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love going up there, and they all wanted to. So we bought it, and the first year we went up there, um, we uh, the previous owner just had tents. Everybody stayed in tents. So I'm a builder, so I shipped a container load of lumber up there, and we uh, got it and take the town of Igigik on a big barge, and then you had to put it all in 20-foot skiffs and run it up 28 miles up the river, and the girls unloaded it and while we were building a couple buildings. and huh. So everybody's in wood buildings now, and, and um, I think this will be our th- this will be our third full year of actually running it as a fishing lodge. Yeah. Um, 
when you went for fishing up there the first time or even when your approach was that on your radar at all no like to, never never to buy i never thought i'd buy a fishing lodge up in alaska even though i you know love it it's just you know it's just, not, yeah you don't think you're gonna i mean i build 10 houses a year and i don't have a crew so i'm usually busy enough right um doing that girls help me in the building business too but okay i gotcha i'm just curious for you on like a okay removing like family and 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 your career i guess you could even say obviously the lodge is part of that too but i'm just picturing if you had to remove everything like what's number one is the fishing lodge in alaska number one for you from like a hobby perspective of course it's more than just a hobby but i'm saying like fun we'll put in that yeah anywhere, right yeah um yeah. Is, is fishing is that lodge and fishing up in alaska for you like that's it yeah yeah no it's a it's the ultimate okay yeah i mean we're working 15 hour days up there but it doesn't feel like work yeah you know because it, it's that fun we got we got an awesome chef that cook that we use but she likes to sleep in so sure. me and the girls will get up five in the morning and we make breakfast usually mm-hmm. and then she'll get up about eight when everybody's out fishing and she works her butt off till 10 o'clock at night or you know mm-hmm. making stuff dinners and rolls and just, you know everything but so we yeah we're usually working from five in the morning till 10 at night or you know doing whatever needs to be done and it just don't feel like work yeah Right. No, because a lot of the, I've done quite a few of these, and and part of what my curiosity has been is like, how did you get to this point, and did you envision it, and and how important is it, and how crazy is it that this even happened, right? Yeah, like right. just circumstance and, and right. the fact that you even went on this trip and all that kind of stuff to lead to this point. If you go back ten years, there's no way you could say, yeah, in ten years from now I'm going to be owning a fishing lodge. Up exactly. In Alaska, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can. It probably wouldn't work if you tried planning it. You right. Know? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes things fall in, fall into place or fall in your lap you know yeah and sometimes too it feels like well i'm just picturing for myself there's times in life when things like that happen that like it couldn't have been a better time right for right. you personally or your for your family or whatever else and it, right. and it came at that moment where i mean you can make any story you want but like it's perfect timing for your daughters to learn this real life experience or somebody's in a rut like uh, mentally and this is the perfect break they need or whatever I, right. i'm just saying like there it just feels like a lot of times those things happen and it was exactly what you needed you know yeah yeah did you feel that way it was that yeah i mean yeah it, it was um i guess yeah somewhat that way i mean the girls were old enough okay. not, you know my youngest was i think 16 you know at the time and yeah. the, the three at home i got two that are married but yeah um, both of them wouldn't have been into the fishing like the my three younger ones are they love the outdoors hunting and fishing and and my two oldest daughters aren't really into that anyway so they were sure. gone from home and you know married and yeah and these three like it and right so even like you said yeah a 10 years earlier and your daughters wouldn't have been at the your three youngest wouldn't have been at the age to to do, to do it that. Yeah. yeah they would have wanted to come up and play but you know or catch fish but not really you know running boats or or flaying fish i mean two of my daughters that three of them actually all three they they'd pretty much flay all the fish now up there and you know so they're flaying 100 fish a day and yeah and they love it you huh. know okay so when you got into it you said you told your daughters hey if if you guys want to do this, we can do this. Like, I don't have the time, but since then, have you gotten to the point where you've prioritized the time and you're up there? Yeah. I go up there to the full, full time. And if I got houses going, I do have a guy that I can kind of lean on to watch over things. And it's never quite like if you're there, but sure. You know, they, uh, he keeps things rolling somewhat and, and he can call me on my phone that we got the booster for. So, or I can call him and yeah. Um, but 
I'm just curious. I'm just curious what you envisioned, meaning, Hey, guys, I might be up here one week a year, but now you're up here for the whole season just because of how fun it was. If that's how it went. Yeah. 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 We're there for the whole six weeks. I mean, it's pretty hard to, you know, come and go, you know, it's that far away anyway, but it's, it's six weeks is like perfect, you know? Yeah. Long enough to get that, even for you guys to get that disconnect. Yeah. Yep. And then just to enjoy the whole thing do you go before or after to get some of your own fishing in or i suppose even while you're there maybe you can get a little bit in yeah we can get a little bit while we're there sometimes some of the groups are smaller groups um we are flying in july 28th this year and the first group comes in the 31st okay so we got a few days there but i am going to build another little cabin when i'm there i try to have we got two cabins that i try to keep for couples you know because the other buildings have like four or five bedrooms in them Mm -hmm. and um it'd be nice to have one more cabin for couples or, you know, husband and wife and a kid or something, you know? Right. What about building? Okay. So you had a barge come in with all this stuff. Did you have like a kit or a package or you know exactly what to Yeah. Order I just or? sent the lumber I knew we needed and windows and doors. I mean, if you forget it, you're $500 to fly out to go get it. You know, if you forget, don't have enough nails or right. Um, the previous guest the year before we bought it, he had ran out of eggs cost them 500 bucks to get a couple dozen eggs flown in you know it's just your your, your remote yeah so i'm just curious about those logistics is like you make everything work yeah you make it work you got you know your generator fails or you know we're on generate we got generator wind a windmill and then a couple solar panels okay and um but yeah something breaks down you got to kind of macgyver and that's the handy thing of my partner george he can keep anything going i mean he's a crackerjack mechanic it's what he does but sure from we had one of our fridge freezers in the kitchen something was dripping water on some electric part last year and cook noticed some smoking and and he pulls it apart cleans it up rips it apart and soldered something and got it back going you know i mean otherwise it's who knows how long to get another part and you need the fridges you right know? right so yeah you have to be like that right hey you have to fly out yeah and yeah you got to have somebody or just as a crew you like you got to make that work and find the spare part in the corner that you didn't know you had yeah 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 or figure it out you know we got generators and boat motors and you know just yeah was it pretty nerve-wracking buying that lodge um i'm not the type to really think like that you okay. know i mean i just figure if if i got the money i can do it it's not gonna i'm not gonna stress that night like hey i got dumped all this money in this lodge and now how do we make a house payment sure you know i wouldn't have done it but um it's just, yeah, it's just, the main, main thing was the family wanted to do it too. So my wife's coming up this year for the first time. She hasn't been there yet. Okay. And, um, she won't stay the whole time, but so I'm looking forward to having her come see it too. But yeah, for sure. Okay. So it wasn't like a huge, crazy deal. I was just curious, even, it, even right. outside of a financial level is just outside of something you typically would have done. So it's just outside your comfort zone. And is that potentially a, a stressor or however you want to look yeah. at it? Just, yeah. Well, it, it does help having my partner, George, there who had done it. I mean, for me to say have bought it and have nobody that ever was involved with it, yeah. that would have been, I probably wouldn't have done it because okay. everything you get up there has to get up there in the spring on that barge and then it has to be brought up river. So there's like, I mean, 700 gallons of gas and, and stove oil and and from food to if you want free, new freezers up there, it's all got to get brought down in boats and brought up river and unloaded and brought up. So mm-hmm. he did all that for the other guy, you know, so he knows all that. I still have never done that cause you got to go up early to do that. Sure. Um, but, um, yeah, he's handled that. So that's a big part of it also. Okay. And what's the, we should get into, I'm just curious what the, 
as a client of yours, what the typical experience is like. You fly into Anchorage first. Yeah, you fly into Anchorage first. You can buy your commercial ticket. It'll bring you to Anchorage and then on to King Salmon. Okay. And then from King Salmon, we hire a charter plane to float. It's usually a float plane, but yeah. um, that'll fly you to the lodge. So they'll come to King Salmon Airport and pick you up, take your bags and and um, bring you to the lodge. You show up at the lodge and then we'll show you where your room is. You're usually getting it there in the afternoon. Okay. And we'll get yellow fish in that afternoon if you want. Some people don't want to. A lot of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, usually we'll have dinner around 6.30 or 7 and hang out you know people play games do whatever they want read books or whatever and then usually the next morning we'll get up at probably you know i have breakfast usually ready by 6 6 30 mm-hmm. and um we're out by the boats by seven so we got five six boats and we just use the boats just to get to the spots on the river okay we're bank fishing on the river yeah and pretty much whatever a client wants whether you're spin casting or fly fishing or anything like that or yeah. what is that yeah yeah whatever you want to use we we got we got all the gear but a lot of fly guys will bring their own gear too okay you know but pole breaks or something we got spare poles and sure um yeah is there like a uh, yeah okay so whatever a client wants so any skill level right right if it's, right we got a guide that's really good with flies he can work with people he'll help teach you know how to fly fish and yeah every group of like six people we usually have a couple guides working with them or with them you know and we'll do as much as they want us to do if they want us to bait every hook and take the fish off the hook we do all of it you know sure yeah and uh and taking the boats but do you ever go out into the bashara the lake the lake itself rarely, rarely yeah okay. yeah we have been out there and nobody really goes into there i'm sure there's some big lake trout in there i've heard there is but sure um yeah usually the fishing's good enough in the river we try to get everybody up to the lake once at least cause just because it's beautiful just to there. see it yeah. just to see it and you can fish the throat or the opening of the lake and you'll catch some salmon in there because that's where they're going right okay yeah um and mainly silver salmon mainly silvers you'll catch it uh there's still some sockeye in at that time, but they're really colored up. You okay. know, you wouldn't keep them. Um, occasional king, but it's really rare. You can't keep any kings that time of year anyway. Okay. A um, couple Dolly Varden, you know, or Graving, a, you can catch a okay, couple sure. of them. But, um, but yeah, it's mainly the coho. And they bite hard and fight hard. Yeah. You know? A fun fish to catch. Very, yeah. Uh, but from there, too, I was reading, you guys do some remote things as well. Like, you can fly out to different rivers yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah, we have... Um, like there's the uh, river called the Featherly on the other side of Sheriff Lake that has grayling and people want to target just the grayling. So sure. we'll do a fly out to there or um, Brooks Falls and Katmai National Forest. People want to go see the bears. They're just sitting on the falls, catching fish and eating. I mean, they'll sit there for months. Yeah. And um, you can go there. That's pretty cool. I went there last year for the first time with one of my daughters and, and I'm, I think there was 12, 13 bears we saw there and the fish are jumping and they're catching them and eating them and they're right there, you know, right. Like you throw rocks at them, but yeah. Um, and that, cool. and that scene is like the, uh, the, if you can picture a bear standing on a waterfall, eating a salmon, jumping through the air in national geographic or something, that's, that's what it is. Right? That's I mean, what it is. Yeah. And that's where thousands of people go there every year just to see that. But you can actually, they, they have live webcams and they're up now Yeah, and you can go online and in uh, Google Brooks Falls live webcam and you can kind of watch it. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 
63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Right, right. So I, I'm asking about the typical experience just to see what it's like and feel what it's like, but I'm curious if you as an owner, do you, is there like a, t I almost don't even want to talk about it because you almost, if, if somebody was to listen there to this and go up there and, and have this experience with you, I think talking about it maybe could take away from it potentially. That's my concern, but I'm curious if you can see like a shift in people as the, as their five day stay goes in. I mean, like when they first come in, they're all amped up, yeah, hyped just, up yeah. by the end of it, yeah. they're relaxed or whatever else. Can yeah. you touch on that? What's the, what's the, I mean, you could go as extreme as saying transformation or whatever else, or what do you see in your clients come like the moment they come versus the moment by the end of it? Like yeah. what's that like? Oh yeah. They, they'll, that definitely happens. You know, they're all amped up to get fishing that first afternoon or, yeah. you know, and, and then, um, I, some of them like the third day in after lunch, they'll just stay back at the lodge and just look out at the river and hang out. And yeah, you know, it's just, they definitely do that. Totally relax. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I guess part of what I'm curious and touching back on what we were talking about, like the phones and being connected, whatever else, yep. like we live in a, such a connected world. That's what I'm curious about too, is the, uh, you hear people talk about just, yeah, the, the benefits of disconnecting or whatever yeah. else and how, yeah, you don't ever get that anymore. Right. Right. And there's, a, I've talked about this. Do you, are you familiar with meat eater or Steve Ranella? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. He, yeah. he talks about, and I've talked about it on here where there's a guy that went, um, I think it was kayaking or canoeing around Lake Superior for, for six months, I believe is what it was. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> so the, the same concept, you go for a week and at first you're all amped up and by the end of the week, you're more slowed down, your brain's moving slower, you're more at peace. Yep. This guy said at the end of the six months, he never found an end to that. Like it kept going, kept getting slower and slower and slower. Uh, so I'm just curious if you see that more, like they're relaxed from a fishing, they're not as amped up from there, but also more relaxed from not having to deal with their calendars and, and um, their work um, lives it, and social media and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it, it, that's a big part of it. Probably bigger. Yeah. You know, I had a couple I built a house and a big shop for, and they came up uh, two years ago and, and last year. But the first year they came up, um, they'd been married for 14, 15 years, and they both love fishing. He has a fishing boat. Usually they fish out of a boat. But um, they, um, it, she told me, um, like, the third day in she said this is the best vacation we've had in 14 years yeah and um he told me mark he said i love reading he said i, I haven't read a book in two years he said i've read two books while i'm here huh. so it's not even like you say it's not even the fishing it's just the 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 relaxing and the and the nothing you know nothing to look at so you're going to pick up a book and read it and you remember how much you do love reading a book you right. know if you want to do that in the afternoons and it's your trip we'll whatever you want to do if you want don't want to go fishing seven in the morning you want to sleep in and go out at nine we'll come back and get you and bring you somewhere to fish at nine it's right it's, yeah it's all it's all about you yeah do you find are you a reader a reader yeah i love reading okay yep, yep. and do you find you read more up there probably not well i don't because i'm so days, busy eh? yeah. you know i'll bring a couple books up there but i'll read more here i mean usually i read on trips i don't read at home much because i'm busy working you yeah know, but 
No, there's something for me that I've noticed along those same lines of when I'm like, I go out West hunting all the time or yeah. as much as I can anyways. Right. Um, when I'm on that kind of a trip, I leave it. It's just unbelievable. By yeah. the end of it, I've relaxed, but also it's like you talked about that, those, that couple said that's the best vacation they've ever been on. There's something about going on like a fishing trip or a, or a hunting trip where you don't feel like you need to be going see these 20 other touristy things. Like you're just there yeah, to do that. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and that, that in itself is relaxing, not feeling like you have to run so many different directions and it yeah. slows you down or whatever else. And you're in that scenery too, where you're perfectly fine pulling up a lawn chair and <laughs> yeah. hanging out for four hours. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know something about that feels different than going to Disney world or something like that, yeah. right? Where you, you don't ever yeah. get that break or that piece or, well, and yeah, and that's one thing like there, there's nowhere to go, you know, like you can come up here and UPs, it's remote, mm -hmm. but you can still plan on, Hey, we're going to meet at Siberia for coffee at seven. And then we're going to be at Sumi for pasties at noon. And you know, right. well there you can't, you know, there's right. nowhere to go. Right. You know, you're going to go fishing and come back and hang out at the lodge. So your whole mindset changes, you know, yeah. when you're in a place like that, you know, there's nowhere to go. Right. Right. You can go hiking if you want, but sure and even that's relaxing yeah oh, exactly yeah. right yeah no that's part of it again uh, there's a lot of days where like busy like everybody right but if i look back at my whole day i might have had 15 minutes of spare time you yeah. know and you like for you guys i mean sure you could be fishing whatever else but you might have four hours in a world where you haven't had four hours in five years yeah you know yeah yeah I don't know. I, I, to me, I like thinking about the fishing. I like thinking about that side of things, but to me, the magic and the beauty and everything is in the, just the setting and the place and the, the, the mindset that it puts you into and, uh, that whole right experience of things. Yep. Did you, like, I'm curious about you when you went commercial fishing or going up there with your daughters, did you experience that? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. More so probably going up with my daughters, you know, okay. um, commercial fishing, you're, you're <clears throat> mixed with, you know, there's 600 boats and there's a ton of people. So it's like busy, you know, and you're fishing around the clock, but, um, there's still no cell service or anything. So you're not looking at phones, but right. But um, you're not, not, you know, not much relaxing time, but yeah. Yeah. But it's still, it's, it, it was it's something to see, you know, it was neat, neat to do it. You yeah. Know? So, but then you went with your daughters, you said, you, what was that like though? I asked you earlier, what was it like, but from that level, did you feel that like by day four, like this is unbelievable from a relaxation yeah. or a disconnection standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's why it didn't take long. Once my girls said, yeah, they'd like to do it. It didn't take me long to say, let's do it. You know, cause yeah. I just knew what it was. Okay. You know? And so primarily it's August. Yeah. Starts run. end of July and goes to September 8th, okay. 9th, somewhere in there. And outside of that, you guys are just shut down. We're just, yeah, we're just shut down. Nobody's there. We did do um, the sockeye season. Like the guys right now are fishing Bristol Bay for the sockeyes. That's commercial guys do. And okay. a lot of them, two and a half million went up by our lodge. They figured last year, they're right above our lodge actually counting. Huh. And the counters will tell the commercial guys when they can fish. Okay, we've had 500,000 escapement come up the river. You guys can fish now for three days or whatever. Sure. Um, but, um, and we did try fishing the sockeye last year. We had about 15 clients come up, but it was a little bit harder. Um, the fish are smaller just because they're catching them in the nets down in Bristol Bay. So you're catching the smaller ones coming through. Okay. Um, but, um, but it was fun. Everybody had a good time and, but it's just, there's less clients you can, for that amount of time, mm -hmm. it's just not necessarily pencils to have 15 people come up and you got to cook and you got guides and you got boats and everything up there for 15, 20 people, you know? Sure. 
Right. I was just curious if there is like a, a springtime thing that you could get into or, or um, not or really. Like we don't get many Kings up our river and a lot of rivers in Alaska are hurting for Kings right now anyway. So for some reason, I, don't, I haven't really heard anybody give me a good explanation why Kings are kind of dying off a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's not really a King King run, which would be June yeah. and you get the sockeyes in July and then uh, silver is usually August. Okay. You know? I gotcha. What about, other wildlife and stuff when you're there do you see a lot of I yeah mean, you, brooks falls right you see that thing yeah, like tour yeah. on the lodge and all that and when you're fishing yeah, yeah, you see we'll a lot of things we'll see um wolves bear uh, probably mostly bear but you'll see some wolves red fox caribou yeah. moose um yeah. okay the um, alaska state birds the ptarmigan you see a lot of ptarmigan and they kind of come and go there'll be some years there's none and then some years there there's a lot of them and they I think the year they um, they turn white in the winter, and if there's not much snow, then the animals get them. You okay. Know, so kind of they'll die off. It's, um, but lately there's been quite a few, so they're pretty cool birds. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the caribou and that same thing is it uh, where the migrations at or something like that? Yeah, there used to be that. a huge migration through there, and you can see actually from our lodge there's an old caribou cabin that okay. these natives would hunt out of years ago. Huh. And, but there's not as many coming through there for whatever reason, the migration changed somewhere else. And, um, I think maybe last year total, we saw 10, 15 caribou. You'll see them in little pods of two or three and uh, five maybe. Sure. Um, um, the caribou cabin, you can see that from your lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? What does it's it look like? It's just a little, little building, you know, maybe 12 by 18, but that's kind of ramshackled. I mean, you yeah. know, it's kind of in de- pretty much deteriorating, but. But the structure's still there. Sure. Yeah. But like built out of old posts and stuff like that? or what's Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's plywood and stuff. It might be built in the 50s or something, oh, sure. you know. So more more recent, but still it was a migration yeah. hunting shack, yeah. whatever else. Okay. Yep. Huh. And the bear, you see quite a bit of those. Yeah. Yeah. You see quite a few bear. They kind of usually you holler and they head the other way. We never had where they pulled a fish off of somebody's line that's fishing or anything like you can see on TV sometimes, but right. Um, usually you holler and they leave. Yeah. Um, the younger ones you got to worry about more the three year olds or, you know, they don't necessarily know that, Hey, this isn't where you want to be, but right. Um, right. But yeah, usually hollering, they take off. Yeah. And they're fishing. They got a plenty of food. So they're fishing and eating fish too. Right, right. But that's got to be a neat, neat experience, right? That your clients probably appreciate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they all use, use, somebody sees a bear, they all come running to look, you know. And, yeah. Yeah, get their cameras out. Right. Just, again, part of that whole whole yeah. experience, right? Yep, yep. Um, from a fishing perspective, were you a big fisherman before this? Um, yeah. I mean, not like some of the guys that'll go every weekend or anything like that. But if I had time or somebody had a boat and, hey, you want to come fishing? Or um, when I moved here in 96... I um, bought 30 acres in Pelkey and I purposely bought it on the Otter River because huh. I do like stream fishing. So if I'd get a chance on a Saturday after work or you know, afternoon after work, I'd go down to the river and fish, you know, along there. And a couple, um, couple times I went out with Polyhedla out to the Isle Royal. Yeah. And um, fishing was usually pretty good where we, he'd take us there. He'd usually put us on the meat and mm-hmm. using gebos and we'd pull up some fish. But right. Um, in Oregon, you know, I fish the Columbia River, but it's usually, usually I'm working. I got, you seem like I got to leave home to go do hunting or fishing because I'll, if I get an elk tag, I'll hunt Saturday on road hunt and in the local area, but yeah, you know, just too busy working. Yeah. 
you have to leave the area and not even be able to work for you to be able to right just, and stuff right? yeah 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 seems like okay so but fishing there because there is a lot of pretty sweet salmon fishing in oregon and washington right yeah there, right yeah yep um and i i'm super naive as far as the salmon this that they would never like you, the fish you're fishing in Oregon. You would never fish up in Alaska, right? They would never make a cross country journey or something. Yeah, like that, no, they ocean journey, right? Fish, the salmon usually come back to the same river they were spawned in. Okay, so the ones that are coming back up the Agigik River where we are, they were born up there four years ago usually, and some will come back in three years, but okay. usually it's like a four year cycle for the salmon, and they die. You know, yeah. I'm just wondering how far they go out there. Yeah, you have any idea? yeah no, yeah. they can. Go, they go a long way. I mean, we're we're catching. We're 28 miles up from Bristol Bay. Okay, and um, some you know the fish we're catching are still bright chrome and have sea lice on them. So I mean, they can make that swim in a day. Yeah, you know, right? Do the fish? And again, just no experience with this. Do the fish? Uh, taste different once they're in the fresh water versus once they're in the ocean like is there a transformation that goes on i, I don't i don't know i yeah. don't think so i mean okay. i yeah i think they're they taste i think they taste the same as far i've never heard anybody say that sure know? yeah I good question I, actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i was just curious because eventually they get to the point where they spawn and they die yeah right? and they're no good then to yeah. eat Right, you so know. there's something going on down there, but I was just curious if there's some kind of a transformation early on, like within their muscle or something like that, yeah. or the, where the things get different or anything yeah. like that. Huh. Um, so, but the, yeah, again, just keep thinking about that experience, the the peacefulness, all that kind of stuff, and that seems to be a common theme of of what you have. Have you? had clients I, I would have to guess you have a lot of repeats or have you had a lot of people that are like hey i can't wait to come back right yeah we got we got a group of 10 guys that they've been coming for 12 years and they come every year um i think last year i had we had 70 maybe 68 clients come up at 40 rebooked for this year yeah um yeah they they, they like it there's a uh, guy that's been coming 12 years we actually buy all our seafood from him like calamari and stuff that we serve up there at the lodge and um, he's the CEO of a Pacific Coast Seafoods here in Astoria, where I live, and um, he's been coming for 12 years. But he'll go to one other lodge for a week and then come to ours for a week. Hmm. And this last year, he told me it's just not worth going to the other lodge. He said, "I want to book for two weeks." Yeah. So he's coming for two weeks, and um, yeah, you know, that's. I think that's kind of you know once people learn what the fishing's like and if they like the the food the cook serves and you know it's kind of relaxing and yeah um the previous owner that owned it he he could be kind of like a hard nut you know i mean he was known to tell people leave and don't come back and right you know so the, like the group of 10 guys that come up from seattle um first year he came we were running it he told me he says mark he said, this is the first year it felt like fish camp and not boot camp. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, the previous owner, he'd want you at the boat by seven. I don't care if you felt like sleeping in and didn't feel good. He said, no, you're fishing. You're right. fi- you won't, you'd be by the boat by seven and yeah. you know, just stuff like that. And we've, we're like, it's your trip. Do what you want. You want to stay in bed for three days. I mean, you're kind of an idiot. You should be fishing, but stay in bed for three days, you know? Right. Yeah. But, I'm curious to get your perspective on this. So the, again, this podcast started from mule deer hunting, the the side of that. And I've always for a long time dreamed of and thought about is guiding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the concern there, or, or even being uh, owning what you have or up on a fishing chart or whatever else is like, would it take what your passion is and turn it into a job and make it no longer fun? And through these conversations, I've asked a few people this kind of thing. And I've, I, 
currently believe, well, I should get your perspective on that. Do you think if you were, say you loved fishing before I get into what I think, if you loved fishing and you now own a fishing lodge or you're now a fishing guide or whatever else, can that take away and make it so that you don't love it anymore? I don't think so. I think it changes it. You okay. know, I don't like when I'm up there, I, I might be there for six weeks and fish four times. Okay. You know, I don't even need to, it's so fun fi- helping other people catch fish Yeah, that it's, it's almost just as, it's just as rewarding as pulling that fish in yourself. Right. You know, like I had a lady last year, she bought, we had donated one to a safari club and she had bought it at the auction. And, um, I was working with her the first day of her group she was with and, and, um, she had caught 10 cash. She had 10 fish on and her, her dad fished. She fished with her dad her whole life and her boyfriend fished and her husband, ex-husband fished. She said, we fish all the time and they wanted to come with her. Mm-hmm. You know, her dad's like, can I come? And she's like, no, I'm going by myself, you know? Yeah. But after that 10th one, she was giggling like a little kid. She said, my dad would be so jealous right now. Yeah. And she's just <laughs> laughing, you know, and, but just that, you know, or there's some of the, even these older guys, you know, I mean, I had a guy from Arizona come up and he wanted to never been to Alaska. These were like bucket trip, trip list things he's telling me, you know, and never been to Alaska. So he made it there fishing. He was catching all kinds of fish. Wanted to go to Brooks and see the bears. We got him to do that. And, you know, he's, he's just like, he's just thanking and, and just smiling like a, you know, young boy, you yeah. know, that first time got to do anything with dad or something, you know? And right. so that, yeah, it, I, it's still not a job. I mean, if maybe if I was doing it 12 months out of the year, you sure. know, something like that would be, but when it's part-time almost, yeah. I don't think I'd ever get sick of it. Yeah. You know, cause that's where I've gotten to, or that's what I've came upon the conclusion is that if that is, so again, thinking about the hunting guiding or the fishing mm-hmm. guiding, whatever else, if it does become a job, like you said, maybe if it's year round, but even if it's seasonally, whatever else, you probably weren't that into it in the first place, maybe. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's also just so much different, right? Like you said, it's more just the people. Yeah. It's that side of things. The whole experience. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so I've came upon the conclusion that it's I th- pretty sure to me, it's also, it's slightly different. So you can still go off and do it and enjoy your own thing on right, your own time. Right. It's really about working with the people, right? That side of things. Yep. But again, if you, if it turns it into where you didn't like it, you just weren't that into it in the first place and that's okay. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. That, go back to what you were doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I just get curious to get your perspective on that, of how that, yeah. what that looks like and it, right. yeah. how that plays out. Yeah. So yeah, they again through some of these hunting trips i've had experiences with people relatives whatever else where we're leaving and they're that was the best trip i've ever had in my life right yep. so same thing right yep. it's yep. uh to to recreate that and and let other people live that and see what that's like is, is yep. pretty neat yeah uh the you and also too i'm talking about the guiding and the people side of things you get to the point where you become friends with these guys hey yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah you contact them periodically through the year and and you know the clients you mean yeah 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 yeah. oh yeah you contact them through the year they'll contact you and how's it going and send pictures if they're fishing somewhere else you know and right um like i got this young kid three years ago we usually at the sportsman show will raffle some trips off and he won it he's 21 years old and yeah and um it came up and uh and young does construction he said i don't think i can afford to come every year you know but he said i mean i'm gonna try mm-hmm. and well last year he paid and came up again and um he stayed i think he stayed uh, a couple extra days so he was there seven days he paid for mm-hmm. and um he got 502 fish you know he in that amount of time and and um he again was talking like you know i just he said i think i'm gonna end up getting married he's been dating this girl for four years and he said i should get a house and 
He said, I don't think I'm going to be able to come back next year. I said, I understand, you know, Dylan, if you, you know, yeah, you should get married, have a kid, you know, cause they were going to have a kid. And well, now he paid for his girlfriend and his brother, younger brother to come up and they're all coming up this year. He just, just loves it, you yeah. know? And um, that's, that type of stuff is neat to see, you know? Yeah. Right. No, I've said that to my wife for heading out West is like, I will do anything to get out there. So same thing, right? Like mm-hmm. just like, uh, yeah. If it's, if, if anything short of like, we're not putting food on the table, like <laughs> yeah. uh, it's all that matters yeah. outside of like the big stuff, right? Yeah. The family work, stuff like that. But, right. Yeah. And I need to get up to Alaska. Like I was just telling you before we got on, I've two times I've been days away from going and yep. haven't gone. Yeah. Have you driven the, uh, I've never driven. You never I've driven. Okay. Flown. Yeah. Would you ever, do you want to, Oh, I would love to do that trip. Yeah. That yeah. would be beautiful. I mean, you, you gotta have a month probably to make it worthwhile and, you know, drive up through Denali and, you know, yeah, it would be, it'd be fun. Right. Cause yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thinking about doing that. But I, I don't know the exact the perfect route. But although if you're coming from Astoria, can you cut right along the coast there, or do you have to cut? I more think to you got to still cut in, cut into the yeah. more of the central yeah, along the mountains there, and okay, Catan Highway or whatever they call it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, for do you have room for other clients to come with? Like this year? Yeah. Yeah. We're, this year, future years. Yeah. We, like how does that? Yeah, look? we got a few few spots still this year. Maybe eight in different different group weeks. Early August mainly okay um and then next year we uh, we still got spots for next year i mean i've i think i've got 23 booked but i know i'll get quite a few from this year that'll rebook usually the people coming this year don't say already put me on for next year they'll just tell you before they leave hey i want to book the same week or sure um but yeah okay so yeah definitely so if other people are wanting to try it out <clears throat> check it out how do they get a hold of you how do they find you um probably you can go to our website um which is Basheriff fishing at gmail.com. Okay. And, um, or call me. Um, my number is 503 298 9686 to book. Um, usually anybody who contacts my partner, George, he just ships everybody my way and tells them call me to book. So we got one person. Otherwise, we'd double book some weeks probably and wonder why we got 40 people there. <laughs> right, right. So, but Fishing at gmail.com, that's your email and you've got yeah. a website. Bashara yeah, we got a website also. It's www.basharafishing.com. Okay. And Bashara spelled B-E-C-H-A-R-O-F. Okay. And um, then we got an Instagram also at Fishing. Um yeah. But, and and a, a lot of your clients, they come from repeats, right? But word of mouth and stuff like that too. Do you oh, yeah. a lot of people yeah. telling a lot of people yep. to come yep. check this out? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Just neat to hear about, again, the, uh, Alaska has been a mystique for me for a long time. Right. The guiding side of things has been something I've been really intrigued about. Um, and then just on a living a, a pretty connected life, I, just that whole being able to disconnect and all that kind of st- stuff to me is just, yeah. Intriguing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's in that on the river, it's like a 30 mile stretch of river from Bashar Lake to Bristol Bay. There's only us and one other lodge on there. So right? yeah, you're not, we don't go fish right next to them in the morning or they don't come by us. So you're fishing with people from our lodge and you're not elbow to elbow or I mean, it's wide open river, you know, and occasionally you'll, you'll have float planes fly in from other lodges because the fishing's good mm-hmm. and they'll drop somewhere. You'll see them land on the river and a few people get out and fish too, but they'll fish for the day and fly back, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, That's crazy. Cause isn't, isn't it pretty typical? These, these high end salmon runs are like shoulder to shoulder combat fishing. Type. Yeah. It's, it's where you can drive to with a car. Yeah. You know, the remote stuff, it's, you know, you're not going to get eight, 
80 planes or 100 planes flying people into some river. So if you can get there with a car, you'll be combat fishing usually. Yeah. yeah. But okay. Huh. So you you have the same experience as these guys that are shoulder to shoulder, but you're, you got all kinds of room to run. Hey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So yeah, that's like the ultimate, right? Right. Yeah. 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 No, I appreciate it. Is there anything else we didn't cover from an experience standpoint? Uh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think we, um, yeah, I think we covered it pretty well. I mean, yeah. again, it's, it's, it's fully guided and food and, you know, you just bring waders and rain gear and you're fishing, you know? Yeah. And you guys have everything else, the, the, I mean, sleeping quarters, all that kind of sleeping stuff, quarters, all, right all the rods, the gear. We, we do fish a lot of eggs. Okay. You know, so we'll, we cure them ourselves there and, you know, we get them out of the fish the day before. So, or two days before and, um, we'll fish eggs, poppers, jigs, lures, you know, I mean, these coho hit quite a bit, a lot last few years, these soft beads have done really well, you know? Um, and it, and it's intermittent on what works and doesn't work throughout the season even, or the eggs usually work all the time okay um but they tend to swallow them so you can only keep five right so usually once somebody's had their five if they've done it all with eggs or soft beads work really well they don't swallow the soft beads as much um okay you know but um so we swap swap you to lures or swap you to something that they can't swallow because you know if you, i mean you can not always do they swallow the eggs but primarily the eggs seem to go pretty deep in them sure okay um, uh, and any uh, funny examples of a guy being persistent with a certain method or anything like that and not catching anything? Or I'm just curious about the, the hardcore guy that's there and not catching anything in the net. Yeah, yeah, you know, they they told me when I bought it, um, we, we got a couple of the same guides that have been there for years come up and guide for us now. And and my partner even noticed it. He said, it's the women will usually catch more fish than the guys. And he said, you'll see it. So huh. I did. I've, I mean, husbands and wives, you know, or whatever. But it seems like you'll tell the woman how to fish, right? And she'll keep doing that exact same thing. And the guy will do it once or twice. And then, nah, I, you know, I fished for thirty yeah. years and yeah. go do it his way. And <laughs> and I last year was a prime example. I had this husband and wife, you know, I was working with, and and uh, she had we had her five bank fish on the bank, and he hadn't caught one. And he was going up, and now he she'd catch one, get one on, he'd come right by her, yeah. And then somebody else again, he'd go running down by them, you know, and yeah. and he fished for a long time. He ended up catching all his fish, but. He, um, it just, it's funny how, you know, that was the first day and he was amped up yeah. and then he started relaxing and, you know, doing what we're telling him to do. And it's easy fishing. There's no real big learning curve. Sure. Um, you know, and a lot of people, you know, you're wearing waders, so you want to get out in the river right away as almost as deep as you can go. Well, you don't need to, the fish are right by shore. Sure. So, you know, as soon as somebody goes into the water a little bit, then the fish start moving out a little bit. And so everybody's got to get, you know, better off standing on shore and fish right right in front of you mm -hmm. hmm. sounds fun be fun to make it up there someday yeah. just to even see the landscape and all that kind of stuff but, yeah for sure yeah. yeah i did last last may i did go up there and bear hunted okay and i did get a nice bear out of there too so yeah but well, we don't hunt out of our lodge usually it's um bear hunting you'd need an outfitter legally yeah to do it and um so the guy we bought the lodge from is still an outfitter he still does the bear hunting and moose hunting Sure. And we can even do it off air or do it right now. But what was that? I, I heard a bit of that story that you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the coolest thing to, to watch. It would need to be closer. But we saw it all with binoculars. We saw um, you get up on the highest spots in the tundras you can get and you're glassing and looking all over for, you know, bear. And um, it was in the spring. So they were just coming out of hibernation. And we saw a moose. So we were kind of watching the moose 
mile away, three quarters of a mile away with binoculars and happened to notice somebody noticed a bear like a mile away from the moose, but huh. heading towards the moose. And so we were kind of just watching them both, wondering what's going on. And, and it got to within a couple hundred yards of the moose and it just charged. And then we noticed that the moose must have just had its calf. It was a female moose because there was another little brown spot there. Yeah. And um, the moose and the bear for half hour were fighting. The moose would run around, coming back, kick at the bear. The bear was on its back and, and they were just going at it. And finally the moose went around this tundra lake, you know, maybe a quarter mile and was just standing there looking. And so I figured, well, now we'll go on the bear now. So put a stock on it and got to within 160 yards and I shot it. And then the moose came charging back towards the bear, almost got to the bear and then came at us. And, but it never really had its ears back, you know, and usually if they're aggressive, their ears are back, but we kept backing up, backing up, backing up. And it got to maybe 25 yards from us and um, stopped and was just looking at us. And my partner thinks he was just thanking us for shooting the bear but yeah but anyway we didn't dare go to the bear that night or that day we went the next morning the moose was gone and the perfectly good calf with the head head gone that bear had eaten the head off that calf right and so we um when we were skinning out the bear we cut in its stomach to look at it and its intestines were totally empty but in the stomach just was that chewed up bear head you know one full calf ear and and um, the bears will they'll eat a bunch of mud and grass before they hibernate and it builds a plug in their butt Mm -hmm. and so they don't you know they keep all their food in them while they're hibernating and and that plug was still in its butt so it just come out of hibernation that was its first meal and but beautiful blonde coastal brown bear so right but it was yeah it was neat to see i mean that's nature what it is you know yeah mom just had the calf i bet you four hours before right you know and the bear could smell it and yeah, I just woken up from hibernation. Just woken up. I mean, it's incredible their smell, smelling. You know, I mean, we've we will usually go in the middle of the river and dump our fish carcasses. You know, after flaying them, we try not to have them right by the lodge because the bears will come there. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, we've seen them walking up the shore, and then they'll just come right in where we dump the carcasses, and they're five feet underwater, mm-hmm. and they'll I don't know how they smell that through five feet of running water, but yeah, you know, they will. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that have been a crazy experience just to see that all unfold. Yeah, you said to eat that. Yeah, small uh, moose calf. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable, and to cut it open and see it, and there it is, and yeah, all that, yeah, yeah. And the mom, she didn't want him to take it, but nothing she could do. You right. know. Yeah. Huh. No, Mark, I, I really appreciate you coming on, just talking about this, seeing it. If anybody else wants to go, like we said, check your check it out at bashera.fishing.com yeah. or else get in touch with you at those contact places. Yep, yep, for um, sure. Yeah, fun to hear about. Yeah, yeah, it's fun fun having new clients too. I mean, it's fun having repeats because you get to know them real well. But it's new clients. It's just I remember the experience four years ago with the first time I went there. Yeah, you know, I just remember you're wide eyed and the whole deal, and is is fun. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you doing this too. Yeah. Giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have, and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and give us some feedback with a review until next time. Thank you.